and we will be going over what is another defeat for Everton on the road. That is their third defeat in a row, and it's their 16th away defeat in the last 22. Again, without a shot on target. Amen. And I think, I think Connor, you, you've hit the, the nail on the head there. I think the key statistic from this game is that it's clear, clear that the front three, it's not working. Um, and that would be uh, my take-home message from this. Um, there's a lot to unravel, as there always is in a defeat. And I think, um, you know, starting, uh, we can start at the end or the middle. Um, but I think with any good story, start at the beginning. It became obvious, yeah. you know, we, we started the game. It was a fairly even game, actually. And, um, you know, we, we weren't playing as deep as we had done in the previous two games. I think there was an element of, of um, uh, productivity that was trying to be influenced on the game. And in that vein, our midfield was, you know, more comfortable in possession. But again, the key moment in that first opening 15 minutes was the Jacob Murphy shot. Well, we produced nothing. How did you see the opening of the game yourself? Yeah, I think that Jacob Murphy shot was when it started to go wrong. Mm. Um, he, he, he came inside far too easy. And we've seen that in the last game as well. We've seen people coming inside. Coleman against Spurs, they ran him ragged. There was too many going outside, going inside. And Murphy then again cuts inside. It was, he was unlucky. Um, enough to hit the target um, and I think from that point it was especially in the first half it was all Newcastle well um, yeah I think it, and it was it was frustrating as well because we get into that second 15 minute phase and it was a period where we was we were showing a certain degree of, of comfort in possession and it was around the 28 minute mark <clears throat> Onana breaks and uh, he loses the ball out wide. He's trying to make a pass to Demarai Gray. And I like Onana a lot. I think he's a fantastically talented boy. He's physically, you know, got a huge presence. Beyond that, you know, his game is box to box. He covers a lot of ground. However, I think talented but imprecise is how I've described him to you previously. And I think that's he needs polishing on his game. And we'll see that with him. But losing it in transition and then being caught out of position, it just allowed Trippier to take it up the wing. And I thought Trippier was fantastic all game. He whips a ball into the far post. Our defenders get dragged to the far post. It leaves um, a player out uh, available who it falls to. He passes out to Almiron. Or it, 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 it was, it was Bruno Gamero. Yeah, it manages to find its way, way to Bruno. Bruno finds Almiron and, and it's, it's a great finish. But... It was avoidable, in my opinion. There was a moment before um, Onana lost the ball in the build-up to the first goal where mm-hmm. Onana, he did, he did really well, actually. He, he, he found a really good pass. He slid a pass through to Dominic Calvert-Lewin, but <clears throat> he didn't time his run properly and he was offside. And then that was our, probably our first time I was kind mm-hmm. of my feet in the game. But obviously it was offside. And then... Shortly after that, then, like you said, Alana breaks. Um, he, he dallies on. I don't know what's going on. It was more of this analysis paralysis kind of going on. He, yeah, and it looked like he kind of was like he, he couldn't decide what to do. He, he felt like it was like he had all day on the yes. ball, and he kind of I, I don't know what he was thinking, but he got nicked off him anyway. And they broke down the other end, and like you said, it just. It went around a little bit. It broke to Trippier, cut inside to Gamara's. Gamara's lays it off. And it's a great finish, in fairness, by Amaron, who I don't know where this chap's got his form from because I, this guy could not hit a barn door. Um, <laughs> well, and which might bode well for some of our players in the future. You know, there's hope if Amaron can uh, come through and start scoring and being productive, then I mean, mm. but who, who of our players? Like who of our wingers are going to start being productive? Who 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 who's productive? Where are the goals going to come from? You know. Well, I think um, this is something that I'd like to get onto uh, later on in the podcast because I think Almiron's form 
can be intrinsically linked to the arrival of Kieran Trippier. And I, and I think, this is my personal opinion, mm-hmm. um, that I'll, there's not a winger in the game, <laughs> maybe with a few exceptions, who, who finds form or shows off his talent without uh, the, being ably assisted by his fullback. That relationship on the wings is key. They work mm-hmm. in tandem with each other. We've seen it. We were probably there at the very nascence of that type of play with, uh, you know, the old Baynar. So Baynes yeah. and Baynar. And, you know, you see it with Trent and and Mohamed Salah. Trent being on the outside, um, able to wing in an outswinging cross, allows, uh, and it also creates a space, allows Mohamed Salah to come into the wing. He wasn't showing that form in Italy. And it, again, it shows the importance of that relationship. But we can go into that because I think there's a lot to be said about our fullbacks and how they limited our wingers. And I'm not trying to find um, an excuse for our wingers because I thought they were terrible today. Um, but they are limited by what the fullbacks are able to do as well. So we go on from there. And I think at that point, the game's lost. Uh, we we lose the goal. We show zero attacking threat. I don't think... I was very interested to see how Sven Botman and Fabian Shaw would play. I've, I've, you know, we hear a lot of hype about Sven Botman. Mm. You know, he's this big lad. And um, he's left-footed, good on the ball. He, I didn't see him play today. There was no the both the centre backs. They didn't even need to be on the pitch today. I thought we were. There was no movements from our front three, um, and they they played with played with the you know with their hat with the on the sun lounger really. They, they didn't need to do very did much. They, did they? We talk about Tarkovsky and Cody's ability to block mm. this blocks. Did either of those two centre half need to make a block today? None, not one. There was no defending on the line. There was nothing in between behind them. Uh, you know, th- this is again a, a theme of the first half, which uh, you know we we message each other about the diagonals to Anthony Gordon. He's got six foot nine or six foot seven, whatever <laughs> his height is. Dan Byrne. There was five diagonals played him, not in behind. They were trying to be played over the top of Dan Byrne. It's a ridiculous a, tactic. It's a lack of it imagination. A, it's an outball. Um, the, the and long, that was some. Go on. Yeah. No. Well, I was going to say there was a there was a corner in the first half where Wobie was marking Dan Byrne. <laughs> <laughs> and he was wrestling with him. <laughs> I, I I couldn't understand that, but um, this this long ball seemed to be a tactic in the first half for us. Yeah. I think there. I disagree with you. You think we had any some kind of you know we it was even early on. Yeah, I I, I thought we were getting pressed out of the game for the whole of the first half. Yeah. I think from the very early on after that Jacob Murphy chance, they got the goal. There was other chances for Kamara mm. as he broke, found himself in dangerous positions, nearly scored twice just by the post. We never ever coped with the press of Newcastle. Um, mm which we can put down to maybe a lack of ability maybe in the in, in the anchor we can maybe we can talk about Adrisa Garnagay and well I think this is the natural he, point to to talk about Adrisa Garnagay I think yeah. I think uh, we as a fan base we 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 talked about it we verbalized the fact that obviously he'll need time to adapt because he's been playing in France but it's more than just playing in France. I think it's the fact that he was playing in a team that would dominate the ball. Yeah. And he had he he was not, you know, uh, th- th- he wouldn't have been pressed as severely. He's playing in a team currently that we are on the back foot. We have less possession and there's a lot more defensive work. And when you, you do get the ball, inevitably you're going to have two or three players closing you down. I think we've seen that in a couple of games now where he had a poor touch against United. Mm. I think Southampton as well, he was at fault for the goal. I didn't think he was that bad today, but I think there were certain points in the game where, um, particularly in the first half, I thought in the second half he actually grew into it and you did see those vertical passes through the lines. Mm. But um, I think in the first half he was um, certainly caught wanting a little bit. Mm. I was reassured by his second half performance, but yeah, he needs time. It'd be interesting to see how many fires Garnagay put out today. Yeah. Because if Garnagay isn't running around, charging around, putting fires out, what is Garnagay doing? 
And this is his game. His game is to yeah. get around the pitch, put those fires out, break up play and get it started. If he's not doing that, then where's the, the, what, what is he offering? Because he is, as a pivot, he's not inventive enough. Um, he doesn't have the range of passing. Maybe mm. that his passing's never really been a strong point, but he doesn't really. I I, I don't know. I'm 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 a bit worried. Well, I'm worried about several of the players actually. Mm. But Ghana Gay's position may be up for grabs in the coming weeks. I I actually I I think I think there's no one who can do the job better than him in the squad at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm I'm willing to give him time. I'm I'm of the opinion right now that this is a work in progress. Today, I mean, th- we will we will go on to it, but there were some positives, although it's hard and uh, to say. Um, there were certain aspects that I think Garnegie can can play into. My main thing was I think Onana as as good and as talented a player as I think he is, and I think he's got the potential to go right to the top. I thought there were moments where he looked like he probably is ripe for the dropping, maybe just as an education point, maybe to take out the firing line. He's a young lad. He will have dips in form. And I think he's reached a point now where he maybe needs to watch from the bench, actually. Um I know we started off talking this point about Ghana Gay, but I just think that that position, no one can do it better than him. And I think mm. actually if you're going to change up that midfield, Onana potentially for Decore or, you know, Ghana, who's been impressive in his cameos coming off the bench, um, is is the obvious change. So, yeah, I, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would, I'm not sure. I, I'm not overly familiar with Ghana. Um, mm. His career up to now, I'll be perfectly honest. Um, mm-hmm. But what I've seen of him, I, he looks like a player um, who can do a bit of everything. He can, he can yeah. definitely pass. It was interesting to see he was on the corners when he came on. He is, um, he is renowned. So at Nottingham Forest, he was the set piece taker. He is okay. He is a, a set as we always term like a set piece specialist. So that's what he was termed as in the championship. Now, obviously, he's added another level. There's a lot more competition for set pieces than at Forest. But um, he's a he's a talented kid. I watched a, a few games of him mainly because we were linked with the uh, with Brennan Johnson, and I remember watching him in the in the uh, FA Cup, and he was the player that impressed me most. I think it's a step up to the Premier League. But anyway, we 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 go to the uh, the um, half uh, the halftime whistle, and we're one nil down, mm-hmm. and yep. we come out, and I thought we were quite impressed. Not impressive. Impressive is the wrong word. But we seemed to control possession a lot more and we seemed a lot more comfortable in possession. Yeah. Um, go on. Yeah, no, I, I think the first half we got pressed out of the game. Um, mm. I would, I, I think Newcastle maybe sat back a little bit in the second half, mm. whether they did that intentionally or not. Mm. They seemed to, there seemed to be more space or maybe we were breaking the press a little bit better. Um, but... Uh, <sighs> I, 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 there was things, I suppose, in the first half. I know we're on to the second year. We're going to go on to the second half. Mm. But just back to the first half, we were doing the diagonal balls. Gordon and Gray. Okay, so we have Gray on one side, Gordon on the other. There was a, there was an obvious disconnect between Gray and Calvert-Lewin and the midfielders. Awobi was pretty anonymous in the first half. It's probably one of his spider games for a long yeah. time. It was like the old of yeah. And that's the second game really in a row. But, um, but I, I felt that Gray, the thing with Gray is I feel that I think that his, his teammates don't know what he's going to do. His teammates don't know when he's going to release the ball. And then the cohesion suffers. So you get it out to Gray and then you're like, you know, Gray, you know, might play a first time inside, might, you know, take somebody on, but you don't really know. And I think Carver Lewin, I mean, he didn't have a good game at all, but there was no link up play there. And then we can obviously talk about Michael Lenko and Gray and the lack of chemistry mm. down that side, I thought was really shocking. I, I, I was a Fan of Michael Anko when he first came in, 
I, I, he had a couple of really poor games when he started, but then he picked it up and said, this guy's going to be a player because he was defending well and he was just doing mm. the easy and simple stuff. And, you know, he was no frills. And But today, ball, like he gave away silly passes, he gave away possessions stupidly, but he was making these ridiculous overlapping runs where you'd, you'd begin to grey and then he... He'd overlap. It'd almost be on top of Gray. Like there was no. There was no. Like he he was like he was being told to overlap by the manager and then just doing it blindly without actually just assessing the the scenario properly and then overlapping, you know? And when it's not right, hang back and get the ball back off Gray. I thought the chemistry between them was all off. And that really then inhibited any kind of attacking play that we tried to build. Well, Thomas Cavalier and the ball kept on going back, but he, when it came to him, but he was completely isolated. I think you hit. And on the other point. side, and on the mm. other side, we've got the two full. We've got the full back in Gordon. We know Coleman's done. He can't go over the halfway line really. And Gordon looked tidy enough, but um, there's nothing coming down that side either. And when you've got in this type in in today's game, you can't have a fullback and a winger out of sync like that. That's a whole attacking option that's just nullified completely by our own doing. I think so. I think you've hit on a key point. I think um, going back to when we, we were talking about Almiron and Trippier, you compare that in direct comparison with Mikalenko and Gray. Now, again, you know how much I like Gray. I think he's a very talented player. And oftentimes when we do break up defences, it's his, a little bit of trickery or magic by him. He's very inconsistent. And I think going back to Gray as a player, I think that's why we got him for one and a half million. And we have to accept that there's a, a limit. There's a reason we got him for one and a half million. And you'll get a player in fits and bursts. Mm. When it comes together, it looks brilliant. But there's so many times when Gray is looking to come inside and he's begging for Mikolenko to go on the outside to buy him half a yard, to either whip the ball in, play a pass or dribble. And Mikolenko hasn't developed that. On the other side, Seamus Coleman inhibited Anthony Gordon's game. Seamus mm. Coleman inhibited our attacking play. He is not a bad player. He's one of my favourite Everton players in the last 20 years. He's a fantastic servant. He knows how to defend. But ultimately, and, uh, you know, yeah. Seamus Coleman himself is a testament to it. He was an attacking, marauding fullback who would buy his winger half a yard or burst into the box. He mm. can't do that anymore. No. And it limits his winger. Andy Gordon was having to track back all the time. And I feel like Frank Lampard has been so shaken by last year that they've worked on shape so much that our wingers kept out wide in order to help the fullbacks. That meant that Dominic Calvert-Lewin was isolated, like you pointed out. Mm-hmm. So anything that was played to him, if he managed to win anything over those two monstrous centre-backs, you know, then... There was no one around there to pick up the scraps, to play off his chest. Um, you saw a template in the first five minutes when we did play it off his chest and it will be picked it up. I completely agree. It will be was quiet today. But I think those fullbacks, and the sooner we get Patterson in, the better. This yeah, begs the be question. This begs the question of Vinagre playing left back, um, coming on as a sub or something to give us that burst from deep. Well, um, it, 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 I think it's... Something that has to be looked at. I was looking in the first half. I I thought that Gray and I thought Anthony Gordon should have played left wing today, mm-hmm. just 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 to help, to just to help Michael Enko with Trippier's runs, because because yeah. if you look at the we were looking at the stats there. There was a stat there I've seen on Twitter, uh, of course, and uh, it was about the defensive stats of Damari Gray. And they're in the they're in the bottom ten percentile, i.e. he doesn't defend, he doesn't really get back mm. and defend, and so you, so you're exposing then so Lampard's then exposing Michaelenko to this marauding Trippier who has the most he's created the most chances of any player in the. He's got Premier an absolute League. wand of a right foot. We all agree oh, on that. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Bend it like Beckham. The guy is a great. Honestly. Yeah, he look, he's a good player. And uh, so I thought that really exposed Michael Enko. 
today that he didn't have any help. And then on the other side, you've got the other mismatch, which is okay. So you've got like what you were saying, you've got you've got Coleman who isn't offering anything going forward, but then you've got Gordon who's good defensively. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he got good defensive stats. So you're handicapped on both sides, like uh, like yeah. the, you know, if you, if you look at it like that. You, what about playing Gray and Coleman? Yeah. And, and then, they're saying, and, and to Gray, uh, Coleman saying to Gray, you just stay up there, use your technique to beat, to beat Dan Byrne one on one. Yeah. I don't, I, I, I cannot believe we didn't try and play in behind Dan Byrne. <laughs> I cannot believe that we didn't try that. Um, I don't think there was one ball that we tried as a slide rule pass to get in behind Dan Byrne. And I think you're right. I think maybe putting Dan uh, and Damari Gray out. The thing is, the wingers didn't even switch. There was no. nothing to, and and you, you would have thought, well, after after thirty, after twenty five minutes, it was obvious that things needed to change. So even just switching the wingers to change that dynamic, but it, it didn't happen. Um, I think, yeah, I think that's a very good point, actually, and it laughs in the face of our second half because by the time the second half comes, yes, we have all the possession, but ultimately, to what end? And Newcastle knew that. Newcastle knew they they took Joe Linton off, who was on a yellow and should have been sent off. I cannot believe he didn't get a second yellow, by the way. Mm. Um, they took Joe Linton off because they knew we weren't, we didn't, the, the game was in the bag. Get Joe Willock on, neat and tidy player, see if we can do anything on the break um, because Everton aren't offering anything. Um, and it was it was all too easy. We, now, yeah. I did mention that there were some positives. And I think we Go should. On. I think I think we should talk about it. Oh, we're going to get murdered on our first on our first podcast that one yeah. nil defeat where we had no shots and the the host is talking about well, we, positives. We had, we had one we had one shot on target. Oh, did we? we I can't even shot, remember it. That was that was that was offside and Cavalier missed it anyway. No, oh, okay. Oh yeah, yeah. When he ran through, he ran but, through. Um, I think it was a nice little ball through by Anana. Mm. He was actually looking to play some balls through Anana. Mm. I thought he was positive today, but. Yeah, yeah, but he, there was there was one pass in the first half where he could have, you know, he he the pitch opened up and he just needed to just put the right weight on it. It'll come with on a very talented kid, but he's imprecise at the moment. Anyway, yeah, yeah. I, I think that's I only so so again today officially we didn't have one shot on target. Yeah, and I, I don't so, know how many we had off target because too soon after one. The game, I haven't looked at the. We stats. had one shot off target, the corner. Jesus. Yeah, but I think. <laughs> We are solid, but and we do have a pattern of play going to midfield. In midfield, we have midfielders who can hold on to the ball, but at the top, I mean, we were all underwhelmed when we signed Dwight McNeil, mm. and we were all underwhelmed by Neil Mope. And I think this is a good point to start us summarising. You know what 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 the observations were, and I I think it begs the question why we went for someone like. Mope, who's a five foot seven, <laughs> nippy centre forward, when we are only going to play one way. I don't understand why we didn't go for another six foot two, six foot three striker who could at least give us a similar way of playing. Because we don't use Mope in the right way. He's, he's looking a bit like a square peg in a round hole. Right, mm. McNeil, again, he was, he spent 20 million pounds and the gold threats. Is non-existent, and that's been non-existent for many years now. Why, why take off Cavaloon if you're going to bring on McNeil? Dwight McNeil and and put Mope up front? I have never understood that substitution. We've done it. It's one of the most irritating substitutions that I've seen this season. Mm. Um, if you're going to bring the big man on, keep McNeil on. Do you think he brought off Cavaloon because Cavaloon was tired or because Cavaloon was crap? It could be. And I think this is my suspicion why he didn't play Holgate. Because pre-game, I think all of us wanted Holgate to start. Mm-hmm. Um, or certainly that was my thinking. And I think there is a fitness issue. I think they might have said if, if Dominic can give us 60 to 70 minutes, that'll be enough. And then we'll bring Neil Mope on. Um, I was a bit annoyed we didn't th- fully throw the dice uh, with... Uh, I know he's not a great centre forward, but with Solomon Rondon coming on, just at least giving us a focal <laughs> point. You are um, going to get it. <laughs> I know. I'm being very controversial. I that's, just that's very generous. <sighs> I, I, I mean, yeah, absolute. I just yeah. don't. 
yeah, if he could would have came on, I probably would have had more more rage for no good reason. He could have done nothing wrong, but but then it points at our summer recruitment in those attacking areas again. Solomon Rondon shouldn't be on our bench. No, um, I I I think we needed another winger. I think we needed another fullback. To be honest, we needed another right back. It'll come. I'm I'm patient, and I'm you know what what I've seen this season has been a lot better than last season, but it's. Uh, well, it's going to be a tough watch till then. The rumour is, if you can believe, whoever the Twitter blue ticks are, they're saying that um, we're after a striker. Have they had any names linked? I don't know. <laughs> Who do you go for? <laughs> like, I, 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 we're lucky. I tell you, do you think, actually, and this is a point I wanted to make, do you think Coleman did start? You were saying we wanted to see Holgate start. Do you think Coleman did start because uh, St. Maximum, man of St. Maximum didn't play? Because he was injured. Do you think that was a thinking, okay, well, we'll be able to manage because Alan St. Maximum's not playing. He's, he's out. Yeah. Maybe we and it's only Jacob Coleman. Murphy. Yeah. Potentially. Because if you look yeah. at that front three at the start of the game, I looked at that Jacob Murphy. What was it? Jacob Murphy, yeah. Tom Wilson and Almiron. Yeah. That shouldn't be putting fear into anybody's... You know, I, I was but, looking at that saying, we should be able to manage that. But I, I genuinely think if we had some sort of attacking threat, we'd have been able to neutralise those three. But because we had nothing going up front, we had no movement, it just allowed... Inevitably, if you are not offering anything going up front, you will you will lose games 1-0, 2-0. That is inevitable, whether yeah. you're facing championship opposition or whether you're facing Champions League opposition. You need to offer something going up front. And... I knew, you know, I think we all knew, we all know when Dominic Avalun's not fit is when he starts mistiming his jumps. Oh. And I saw a couple of mo- a couple of times in the, fir- in the at the beginning of the game, he's mistiming his jumps. He's, he's fairly about, a yard off. He's jumping about two days too early. Yeah. And he's what? on the way down when yeah. the ball's reached him. I don't, um, I don't get it. I, I think it's, we see the incredible, ha- you know, when Dominic Avalun's at the peak of his game, he has that hang, you know, that hang time, like you yeah. just said. Yeah. He doesn't have it when he's he doesn't have that leap. So he doesn't reach the peak of his leap at the highest points and you see him coming down. I think there is an element that you'll have to have some mus- muscle rehabilitation uh, and that spring will come later I think on. he's watched that jump against Liverpool in slow motion yeah. too often and he thinks that that's how the real world works. Yeah. Just time <laughs> yeah. your headers. Just time you your jump. You jump up and in slow motion yeah. I'll hang up there like there's no gravity and Yeah. He does it so often. Maybe maybe it's a numbers game. Maybe he does that because, you know, five times out of ten he'll win it. Or, you know, I, I, I don't know. But it, it seems to happen quite a lot. I thought today, as is so often the case, maybe it was got to do with the press. Maybe it was the players we have. A lack of joined up thinking. But the amount of unforced errors, one of which led to the goal. Yeah. Again, was... It, it, it 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 really hurts us. Um, it hurts us on the attack, and it obviously hurts us then when there's a turnover, and then they attack and they get chances from us. I think, yeah, I think the unforced errors. I I I, I think that at the back we seem to have put them out a little bit, and they they weren't nowhere near as bad as last year. And we all need to just point at at Michael Keane's. You know, there's an innumerable <laughs> amount of games where Michael Keane was responsible for for goals and. Andre Gomez in midfield. I think you're right. I think it comes down to the fact that when we're in attack, we're at our most vulnerable, like any team is, and mm-hmm. we lose the ball through indecision. I think you made. A, I think going back to the uh, when Onana, if we're if we're making this point, you know, going back to when Onana had the ball, you're right. He, it was indecision. He slowed down. He he was assessing his options instead of playing that instinctive pass. My hope is that through through. Um, Mm-hmm. Uh, through playing with each other, we get patterns of play, and then Onana oh, knows that uh, Gray is going to be available for the pass, or knows that Calvert Lewin is going in behind to play it just just ahead. But I think we're 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 a half a season away from that coming to fruition. Um, so, in the meantime, how do we? You know, what is our style of play? How do we score goals? I don't have a question. I don't have the answer what, to that question. Well, and what that's a good point is what is our style of play? Do you think, and this is just putting it out there, do you think Lampard's under pressure? I think any manager in the Premier League who loses three games in a row with two games where they haven't hit the target is under pressure. 
I think there's enough in this team to show that we're not going to be in trouble. Do you I think, think so? that's going to? Yeah, I, I'm hopeful, but this could be an you know this could be another manager who's resting his hopes on a Dominic Calvert Lewin who doesn't exist anymore, much like Rafa Benitez last year. Mm. Uh, not not that I'm upset that he left, but that was clearly Rafa Benitez's ultimate game plan was to play to Dominic Calvert Lewin. Wasn't it? Yeah. And then, yeah. And, and look how that turned out. And that's why I don't understand why we bought Neil Mope because Dominic Calvert Lewin's injury record for the past 18 months to two years, and that's a significant portion of a player's career. Mm. And it's, it's, you know, it's stopping us develop has been horrendous. So mm. why wouldn't you buy a beta version of Dominic Calvert Lewin? I think so you want least... bought. Mm. Go on. One was sitting on the bench there for Newcastle tonight. Who was that? Chris Wood. (laughs) (laughs) Here's the answer. Yeah. Let's put a big bid. Is that who we're linked with in January? Oh, I hope not. I I I wouldn't be surprised. surprised, Yeah. Yeah. And and you know what? We'll get him in, and all of a sudden we'll start looking at the positives of Chris Wood. Yeah. And we'll start saying, "Oh, geez, you know what, Chris Wood, he's a good player." And you have, you'll have a, they'll divide opinion on Twitter, and yeah, we'll, 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 we'll be happy with what we get. I thought, can I just speak about? Okay, so we've done the game, we've done the game, kind of summary, yeah. and you know, can we speak about individuals now? Yeah, let's go about individuals. Let's go in. Let's go in. Okay, yeah. so Anthony Gordon. Yes. We were, there was reported we were offered, now the people will snuff at this and say, we were offered 65 million firm or whatever it was. But yeah, the general press was the 65 million. That was about the, the fee. Were we mad? I think, I mean, we, we have to look at it in, in context. It probably was about 15 million up front which obviously we couldn't do very much with. But if you were to tell me now that we were offered anything close to 30 million up front for Anthony Gordon, I think it, it looks like a bad deal that we didn't go for. Mm. But I am going I, I, I to come to his defence in the respect that I think playing with James Coleman behind you limits your game. I also think that Frank Lampard has asked his wingers to stay out wide to keep shape defensively. And I think both our wingers benefit from the out-to-in runs. We saw it. Andy Gordon's both goals came from out-to-in runs. Demarai Gray's out-to-in runs. I think at this moment in time, um, I'm willing to let things lie with Andy Gordon. I think he needs to be... uh, There is an element uh, with, was he playing for a move and then he didn't get the move and he falls off a cliff in terms of his form. That's always a red flag for me. But for now, I think there are some mitigating factors. But there is no doubt... He needs to do more. It it's not good enough. No. Our output. I mean, to have no shots. You're a winger. You're meant to be an attacking winger. And to have no shots on target and only one in the whole game, nothing from open play, in is first, a damning indictment. In the first half, he goes over. Remember oh, yes. Show? Yes, yes. And you're just saying, stay on your feet. Yeah. Stay on your feet, try yeah. to get the ball under control and yeah. put it across or do something. It was just all too predictable. I think I think going someone... down I think going down in that in that in that moment is actually it's the wrong choice and a weak choice. If you stay up, you are you are tempting Dan Byrne into contact. Going down so easily tells Dan Byrne this is gonna be an easy game. He doesn't yeah. fancy it against me. He's gonna go down all the time. And that's what it looked like. Um, and it's, it's, it just, looked, it's just bad. It it just it's bad optics. Yeah, you know, yeah. like if if you're in with a chance, you're getting in behind. He brilliant burst of pace to get to get in front of Dan Byrne, and then you throw yourself to the floor. It's it's bad optics. It's it shows a lack of confidence. Yeah, I think you're right. I think there may well be a confidence issue in playing in this because he's not been good for quite a few games. I think you're right. I think you've hit the nail on the head there. I was looking at his numbers mm-hmm. from last year. He's got he got four goals and two assists, and two of those goals weren't really goals. One of them was a Richarlison deflection, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. 
And I was comparing them to Damari Gray's. And Damari Gray's numbers in his first season at Leicester when he broke through, he played half mm-hmm. the amount of games mm-hmm. and his numbers are better. He got five goals and four assists or something. And I, I think they won the league that year, but that wasn't half the amount of games. That was his he scored how many season. goals? I think he scored five goals and Jeez, I didn't know that. Yeah. And he only joined them in the January as well, didn't he? From Birmingham. Yeah. yeah. And, oh. he, and in half the games. And if you look at his numbers last year, is Tamari Gray's numbers were better than his, than, than Gordon's. Much better. Yeah. Now, if, 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 if you see that run in the, in the start of the second half, Tamari Gray, and he, he, he took on two players and did brilliantly, and, and, and there was nobody coming in. There was nobody coming in from the right-hand side to get the loose ball, and it broke again, and we were, you know, we were on the back foot again. But if Gordon did that, like if you if you if you just swap the players and then you 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 seen Gordon doing what Gray does, you'd be all going, oh yeah, fifty, yeah. sixty million, no problem. Yeah, I mean, is is Gordon is is Gordon any better than Gray? I, in my opinion. I don't think Gordon is as effective as Gray. I, I think, uh, I think, uh, I mean, we met, I mentioned this before. Gray's already like for, for our limited number of goals, he's got I think two assists, two pre-assists, and a and a goal as well, and one disallowed against Leeds. I think Gordon's numbers don't match up to that already this year. I think, I think if you, we give, I'm giving Dwight McNeil a, a hard time, and and don't get me wrong, you know. I'll give Dwight McNeil all the time in the world, but he's only a couple of months. He's not. He's not much older than than um, Andy Gordon, and he's achieved far more in the game than yeah. Andy Gordon has at the moment. But as I say, I think I don't want to be too harsh on the lad because I think at us as Evertonians, we do have a slight tendency to go in hard on our own. Tom Davis, Ross Barkley, um, and I will give him, but he's not playing well enough. None of the front three are. On the other I don't side, know where you even begin with the front three. On the other side of that coin, though, we do go hard on them. We also give them too much credit, don't we? Yeah, we that we we yeah, we do. We you know we 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 put them on a pedestal too early. They do a little bit, and then once they can't reach that uh, expectation of themselves, or expectation that not of themselves of that we have given them, we crucify them. Do you think so, he dyed his hair too quick? I think he dyed his hair for a move. I've told you this. <laughs> I think whenever a winger dyes their hair blonde, it always makes me worried that they're looking for a move. It's like a, it's like a non-verbal signal to other clubs. Yeah. It's like they're turning, their light, turning their light on. Somebody just puts yeah, yeah. a lamp in their head. Their head glows up. And that's I mean, Mares did it. I remember Ryan Babble dyeing his hair red at Fulham when he was trying to earn a move somewhere. <laughs> so they're all at it, you know. Um, but I'm not asked about him dyeing his hair, if I'm totally honest. But it does bring attention. Whether you like it or not, it brings attention to yourself. And you you better be able to take the, the attention. If not, stay in your lane, develop your game. And when you do score six to ten goals in a season, then you can think about dyeing your hair. But... I'm not asked. I just want him. It uh, feels asked. like applying for a mortgage before you've completed your probationary period in a new job. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, you know what I mean. Like it's like yeah. you're, excited, you're making good money. You just started a new job, and you overstretch yourself a little bit. And you bit. overstretch yourself. Just yeah. Stay in the job for a year. Yeah. See how you're getting on. Keep your head down, and then when the the numbers and the performances are irrefutable, then dye your hair. Yeah, then do whatever you want. <laughs> and I think, you know, I mean, you can say that's the, the route that someone like Dominic Calvert-Lewin did. He proved himself and then he started wearing the skirts and all of that. And it couldn't yeah. be really questioned. I mean, unfortunately, with the injuries since then, you know, but you've seen him. He hasn't, you know, he hasn't been putting himself out there as much because he realises he's quite savvy is, is Dominic Calvert-Lewin with the social media. So um, he understands that he's got to get his form ready before he's back on the front of GQ. Um, yeah, is that is that his motivation? Do you think? Do you think his, his number one motivation is getting on the front of a magazine and not scoring goals for Everton? I think his number one motivation 
is to be the best Dominic Calvert-Lewin he can be, with or without Everton. He clearly has an affinity for the club. It can't be denied. He's played here for almost going on. He, he, when did he join us? 16 years old. And now it's mm. um, he's now 25 or something, or 24. Oh, so. Yeah, maybe. Jesus, that time flies if he's 25. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So he's clearly got an affinity for the club. But he, I think, you know, and he is 25. And we're not, let's be honest, we're not going anywhere as a club fast. He'll think, I'll score a few goals. And potentially that opens up a move that heightens my profile. Much like, you know, you look at someone like Tim Cale, he's a legend in Everton parts, but ultimately he he knows brand Cahill and what it's worth. And I think Dominic Calvert-Lewin is the same. I think mm-hmm. Dominic Calvert-Lewin does have a soft spot for us, but he knows what brand Dominic Calvert-Lewin can be worth. He's he's walked in the, in, a, in the Milan fashion show for, I think, Dolce & Gabbana. You know, that doesn't happen unless you make it happen. Well, so, it doesn't yeah. happen unless you're as handsome as Donald Carvalho. Oh, he's a handsome boy, but that's part of the image, isn't he? He's a handsome boy, good at his sport, and a nice lad yeah. who's a bit alternative. Yeah. If he gets and, it going and he joins a big club, his profile to be a global superstar would be high, but he just needs to get the football right, and I think he understands that. Yeah. Well, hopefully we see more to come from Dominic Carvalho, and I, 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 I think he will continue to become more and more frustrated if we play uh, this way, if we play yeah. this way, if there's if there's, if there's no cohesion in the build up, there's no balance. There's no balance on either wing. Um, that could be down to squad issues, could be down to selection issues. Well, uh, the worrying thing is if we do continue this way, and I don't believe we will. I honestly don't think we will. I think you will see the evolution of this team, especially when Nathan Patterson comes back. Um, what striker will want to join us? That's the bigger question, isn't it? You know, strikers are looking at numbers. Yeah. If you're not, if you're not making the chances, a lot of strikers. No, if you don't make the chances, we made no chances. So therefore, you could have Robert Lewandowski up front. He would not score a goal. Mm. So which striker is left to you? So it is incumbent upon the coaching staff. It is incumbent upon Frank Lampard to change this style of play. I think he did the first checkbox, which is the easiest checkbox, which is make us solid. We're solid now. We are. But the fact that we have nothing up front opens us up to to to, to losing games by the odd goal, which is happening. It's the easy, it's the, it's the cheap turnovers as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I and that's because there's nothing up front today. You I think you mentioned it, nothing stuck up front. No. I'm not blaming Dominic Adam because no one was close to him. But nothing stuck up front. The ball tra- then transitions. We're on the back foot. Um, well, after our players have kind of ran up. Committed forward. Committed yeah, exactly. Forward. Yeah. So so we're all of a sudden... And then you're liable to the goal. It happened against Spurs. It happened against United. Mm-hmm. We lost the ball in midfield twice. And they scored. It wasn't that they were fantastic. Which is the one reassuring thing I have. The one theme I have of this is... No one really has smashed us. And once we get that top three working, which I, I cannot believe that Frank Lampard won't be doing that every single day on the training field, getting the movements, the out-to-in runs, developing that next stage of play. I have every faith he'll do it. Because what he did with the with the defensive shape, we've got to remember where we came from last year. And I'm not trying to use that as an excuse for a poor performance. But it gives context. And that next step is the hardest step to take us from probably a team that goes between 11 and 16 to a team that goes between 12 and 6 yeah. uh, in, in terms of the table. And that's that's what it is. And that's why I was so I think a lot of Everton was so underwhelmed with the strikers that with the striker that we bought, the fact that Rondon didn't leave and Dwight McNeil, for example. Um, because we can see that we're not far away in the grand scheme of things, but the issue is we don't have any other players right now. And what how do we get to the January window? Well, um, while still Remaining as a semi-attractive proposition towards mm. talented players. I think that's on the my face one it, worry. I think on the face of it, one nil away to a decent Newcastle side. It's not a bad result. It's not it's a not, bad result. I mean, that's it's no, it's a bad result, but it's not a horrendous thing. It's not something that you, you know, we should, no one's going to be crying to, to bed about it tonight. I hope not. I think we've got enough realism and context to realize that it's. It's accept- It's not acceptable, but it's yeah. It's where I we are at the it moment. Is, it, it's where where we are, and I think th- there is an improvement on last year in terms of 
we are we do look a more solid base. The mm. Front three are worrying. I'd love a player like Bruno Gomares. What a baller he is. Oh, what a player. I yeah. thought just on a side note to talk about some of the some of the Newcastle players, mm. I thought Trippier was man of the match. What mm. a footballer he is. <laughs> and we didn't expose him defensively. Thought Bruno was fantastic. He's great. And I thought Almiron. Almiron has really flourished with the addition of Trippier. I, I think Almiron. I remember we were linked with him in the summer and I thought, God, no. Yeah, <laughs> no. yeah, yeah. I think I even tweeted as much. I think I went, oh, jeez, no. But I don't think he'd be playing like this with us. Now, imagine Almiron with Seamus Coleman behind him. He yeah. couldn't do anything. No, no. He, he wouldn't didn't. be found. He'd be anonymous. He's not physical enough to make any sort of game, which is what I'm trying to say about the wingers uh, right now. As bad as they were, they're not being helped. No. No, and go, I, I suppose after this now, who's our next game? Let me just check. Yeah, okay, so who have we got next? We've got Palace at home next on the Saturday. This Saturday. Yeah. Dangerous game. They, they're, must not win. Team, they're not a team you want to play at home and they haven't been a team we've actually done well against at home. Mm-hmm. Following that, we've got Fulham away, Marco Silva. That'll be interesting. And then we've got Leicester at home. All winnable games in theory, but I think we're going to find out an awful lot about where we're at after these I think games. you're right. I and, think this uh, is the litmus test. I think United, Spurs and Newcastle away, you can lose those games. All, all acceptable defeats in a way. Yeah. I mean, uh, it, we 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 understand no defeat is acceptable, but all understandable defeats. But Palace at home, Fulham away, and Leicester at home was it? Leicester at home, yeah. You have to be looking at between. You, you, you're probably looking at. Tra- you have to be looking at like five points. Five minimum. points minimum, minimum, and you probably would be wanting to look closer towards. Seven, but five points minimum, probably. And then all of a sudden, you know, the, the, the context of these three results completely changes. If we lose against Palace, though, we're creating that rod for our back that goes down to the, to the, to the you know, absolute yeah. car crash that was the middle of last season. Yeah, I think, we, I think if, we, if we get any less than, if we lose, well, if we lose the next three games, right? I think now then we're, I don't know if we're looking at the manager. I hope, like I hope not, but we're looking at a relegation scrap at the minimum. Yeah, and we potentially, are. you know, worst case scenario pressure on the manager. But I just can't see it happening. I think that on Palace, I think the whole fan base will realise, you know, it's it's a big game. We have to be angry for that game. An angry Goodison make it a bear pit. An angry Goodison is a weapon that yeah. Frank Lampard has, has used on multiple occasions. And we've been there. We've been there. And I think it will be an angry Chris uh, Goodison for Crystal Palace. Mm. Um, I like Crystal Palace um, as a team. I think they play good football. But they're a young team and they could easily wilt under the pressure. I mm. think we'll have a Dominic Cavaloon that's had 70 minutes under his belt. He'll be getting another week's full training. And um, I think Holgate... You know, we'll be looking hopefully to transition Holgate into right back. Um, all of a sudden, things start changing, and you're looking at a much more um, upbeat atmosphere if we do get three points against Palace. Um, and that's where we're at. Do you I think we may have, from the couple of wins we had and the start of the season, think we may have fallen into a false sense of security? Like, I think. I, 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 I mean, I, I wouldn't call it a false sense of security because I do think there are, you know, green shoots within this club. Mm. But as with any fan, we get carried away when it's when we're winning and we go down to the bottom of the bottom when we're losing. We haven't we haven't tasted victory. We haven't even seen any shots recently. Yeah. I I don't think for a second that Frank Lampard isn't aware of that. Mm. It's. You know, we were playing an exceptional Tottenham side who I think will go far in the league. We were playing a very good Man United side, despite all the all the um, headlines surrounding them. They are a team that is evolving for the better. And then we played a Newcastle side who have so much positive energy around them. I mean, 
the, the atmosphere at St. James's Park was amazing to begin yeah. with. Yeah, yes. And let's, let's, let's just take it. Yeah, let's just take it as it is right now. We've yeah. got three good sides. We're off the back of three defeats. Yeah. Naturally, we're going to be feeling a bit deflated. And that was after a, a, a six-game unbeaten run. Yeah. So let's just, you know, um, I'm not jumping. But if we do, these next three games will be the litmus test. Mm. And that's where we put a rod for our back. Because if, if all of a sudden we do get a point today, and then we get another point at Palace, um, you start saying momentum builds, we potentially win at Fulham, then there's no pressure on the Leicester game. Yeah. Um, but that's the way, it's, that, you know, that's the, the twist in terms of a season. So, so yeah. I think I think then I suppose we'll just wrap it up there. Yeah. Uh, and uh I think What's your what's your uh summary do you want to do a summary of of today? Yeah, well to to summarize I think that um we 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 have problems with our wing backs at the moment on both sides. I think Coleman's obviously struggling. I think Michaelenko is really struggling. Mm. Um and he's not there's no cohesion between Michael Enko and Gray and likewise with Gordon is being left too isolated by Coleman I think the centre half are doing well although I'd like Tarkovsky not to give the ball away so cheaply so often I think we are giving the ball away too cheaply a lot I think Onan is looking good I think Ghana is um, I don't know what he's offering us really if he's not doing what he used to do and putting out fires then he's not going to be the pivot that we want and I think the the problem with Cavalier and coming back into it, not holding the ball up well today, I think costs us a lot. Mm. We struggled to break the press, and I think going forward, we're you know it's it's up in the air for the off the back of three defeats, like I said. So it's hard to really think too clearly about it. But I, like we said, the next game is massive for us at home to Crystal Palace, and I think we will be here to discuss it. After think, the game, yeah, I think that'll be my my summary. Is that that's what I'll go with? I'll go with. Um, I think well, that uh, you know, on to the next one, um, Crystal Palace, which is what our season will be judged upon. Those type of games, and um, can't wait to speak to again, Connor. Let's let's make this a yeah. regular thing, eh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there we have it, folks. The very first. Yeah. The very first Bramley Moore Blues podcast brought to you by myself, Connor Skelly. And myself, Ahmed Katak. And we're looking forward to bringing you more, hopefully with better results and more positive football to talk about. It's been a real pleasure, Ahmed. And um, I look thanks forward again, to hearing you again. And thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. Just uh, so cut. So, yeah, I think the middle bit we're asked... Oh.